A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Our Shelves, a podcast where writers from the legendary feminist publishing house Virago talk about their cultural worlds. We'll be diving into these writers' bookshelves, record collections, and recollections to discover what inspires them. I'm Lisi Scholes, and my guest today is the writer, creator, and producer Liv Little. Liv is the CEO and founder of Galdom, the award-winning online and print publication committed to sharing perspectives from women and non-binary people of colour. Welcome to our shelves, Liv. It's really great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. This is such a treat. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you've told the story of how you came to found Galdom probably more times than you really want to kind of go into. (laughs) Uh, But I just think because it's such an impressive um, thing that you've done with it. Could you briefly recap how much you've achieved with the publication in the space of what's only five years, I think? Five years, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we do lots of things. Um, We're primarily an online publishing platform, publishing content across opinions, politics, music, lifestyle, arts and culture. Um, Yeah, started it five years ago. I was studying at the time um, and I kind of then went into television. So I worked in television for a bit. I've worked at the BBC and and a few other places on both like factual and and non-factual programming. And um, we've kind of ventured into the film space recently into the video space recently and also in terms of audio basically a kind of um multimedia uh platform with lots of different kind of creative outputs um and I guess it's always been my approach or I don't really believe in like a one size fits all creative solution um to telling stories and so I think being able to do that across across art forms is really is really important for us but we've done like lots of different work we've worked with you know we work with kind of cultural institutions as well we did like really big takeovers with the guardian and the vna and um all with the kind of aim i guess of platforming uplifting supporting um sharing the work of um women and non-binary people of color hmm. do you find it's quite an organic process like has it the way that the uh that the publication has sort of grown over the years and these collaborations have come into being um or did you sort of set out with very strong ideas of what you wanted to achieve at a certain point um, I think I think at the beginning, yeah, definitely like much more organic. And to be honest, largely has been organic. I think um, once it became clear what was needed to to get it to the next place, then you know there there were structures. But yeah, I mean things are still relatively fluid and and organic. It's obviously also within the structures of it being a business and an organisation. So 
there are set things but um but yeah I think that's always been our approach and I think the nice thing about running a small business as well is that you do have the ability to like try and test um new things and ideas and in a way that you might not not that I didn't enjoy enjoy the time I had at the BBC but it's just a, it's a very different way of working and I guess like the, the yeah, levels yeah. of hierarchy or process that you have to push through to get projects live um mm. is, is very different whereas we can quite literally you know we can literally try new things out or, or, or launch um new series or ideas and it doesn't have to go through necessarily five million processes of approval yeah there are processes but it's not as you know it's not, not as tight, tight, yeah. not as sort of tight and as structured and uh, yeah. so many people in place. I mean, that makes for a much uh, a different way of sort of producing content, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and how have it how's it been coping with the pandemic so far, the sort of demands of our of our new world? I mean, I think I'm interested in both in terms of the day to day running of the publication mm. and also how your writers have been responding to recent events. So much has happened um, and and so much which impacts the kind of audiences that we speak to our readers our community mm. in really scary detrimental um unnerving kind of ways across the board whether that's in terms of the social and political climate or in terms of um health and and specifically looking at the pandemic so it's been really it's been it's been a lot and I think you know when you're black and you're working in media and you're consuming all of these things consistently that definitely takes a toll on your mental well-being. What we've tried to do is, is um, you know, provide a space where people can kind of hold truth to power and also simultaneously explore and experience joy because I think that's also an important thing for us. I think I think we need that. Well, I think we do need that. Um, and you know, as an organisation, obviously there are you know there are, went through the process that everyone went through of furloughing people and unfurloughing people and mm. um, you know saving where you can and 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 making content in new ways, making content through Zoom and yeah. but it's actually been like a really interesting exercise. And I think in terms of seeing what it is possible to create remotely, um, has been quite a beautiful thing because we've we've done some really interesting creative creative projects when you have the right creative minds um coming together it, it's possible to still produce really amazing stories and things in this new new world or new way of being um but definitely an adjustment mm. you know like just as a on a human level as a person it's been it's been difficult yeah um for, for yeah. a large part and I, and I think it ebbs and it flows and you have moments where you feel like you're getting into the groove and it's great and there are also moments where you're just absolutely exhausted or feeling like you know I've been in I've been in my one bed flat without a garden for like the last four months so you know there are certain things that yeah you you do just miss I'm really fortunate that I drive so I've started doing the odd drive and walk and things but just that thing of like easily accessible outdoor space obviously now people are kind of flocking to the parks but even then you know you want to go to the park and feel safe or like there's distance between you so and Mm. there's anxiety and things that come up with all of that so yeah I mean it's it's been it's been interesting I think there's been no shortage of 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 stories to tell like I say especially in the context of what's happening um and there have been some beautiful beautiful pieces some really heartbreaking pieces as well around black healthcare workers and grief just 
so much so much but yeah we have we have also managed to find to find the joy um amongst everything and 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 you absolutely need to have space for both mm. I think I'm interested in the fact that you talk a lot about storytelling when you're talking about Gaudum just in the last few minutes mm. um and obviously you've moved into a slightly different arena of storytelling recently because you've contributed um a short mm. story called The Sisters to a new Virago collection Hag Forgotten Folk Tales Retold yeah I love fiction so um I think I think obviously you know I read a lot of online articles and content like day to day but in terms of the the um the content that I read to like really unwind and like immerse myself in new worlds is definitely fiction um mm. I've got I've got rainbow milk by by the side of my bed at the moment but uh, and and I think I think um being it was Harriet Poland who who reached out to me and I think you know she knew that I was I was really obsessed with fiction I hadn't ever written fiction formally of course another thing I love to write is is profiles and and I do a lot of um non-fiction editorial as well but um Mm. it was such an interesting project I thought that the idea of reimagining folk tales old folk tales across regions was just such a such a such a unique project and 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 it was such an interesting way to approach storytelling in that way I've not really done any sort of writing project which is like audio first that was a new thing for me I've obviously worked on tv and on scripts and certain things but this is certainly a different experience altogether and um in tandem with the with the release of this collection of um of uh of short stories there was also this audio visual like exhibition where you kind of immersed yourself in the tales and that was just amazing to me beautiful my absolute dream I mean like (laughs) come on your first the first short story that you have published um has its own exhibition like it was amazing (laughs) um but in terms of the um the opportunity to to write in this way like I said I think that the foundation was was a really interesting idea so the story that I was given was a story about these two brothers who dueled in Tavistock Square in London over this woman and one of them died and you know whoever whoever survived got got the girl and and um for me I guess like especially being like a, a a black woman and being like a queer black woman I'm I'm always interested in telling the stories obviously that I wish I was able to read and so I naturally went to this quite weird place <laughs> where I told a story about this these twins and like um kind of grief and and um an affair of like different sorts I guess mm. um and it just was really fun I think it was really hard as well to to um because I think with nonfiction, the description element is still really important because you want to get a sense of who the person is. But in terms of like actually building a world or like allowing people to step into a space and like see that space, it's a very different set of skills. So it was a challenge, but um, I'm glad that, and I was, you know, you get all sorts of imposter syndrome. Can I really, there are all these real authors who are writing, um, who are writing stuff, but I'm really glad that, that I did. And I'm, you know, for my, for my first piece of, 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 published fiction I'm I'm happy with it it's interesting and I had a lot of people messaging me and saying oh my god I want it I want to hear what's happening next what's going to happen next I'd love to delve a bit more into this you mentioned um that rainbow milk uh is sat on your bedside table right now this was published by um by um Charmaine Lovegrove who is someone whose work and and you know in the space I I I absolutely kind of you know respect um and it's you know a book which is queer is is caribbean it's west indian 
I'm really, like I said, I'm literally like that far in. So I'm just starting it. But I'm really excited and I've, I've heard and read amazing things. It's had rave reviews from everyone that I've seen that's read it from Bernadine Evaristo to to everyone. So I'm, yeah, I'm really, really, I'm really, really excited to read this. But, um, and, and yeah, I, I read, I, I guess I read like a combination of different, different types of things. I do enjoy short stories as well. I like... I think one of my favourite collections of short stories is probably um, Roxane Gay's Difficult Women. I love that book so much. I think it's fantastic. And she's like a a real literary hero of mine. She's amazing. Like, amazing. Um, I interviewed her a couple of years back or a year ago um, when she came over to the UK at the South Bank. And I was so nervous because, like I say literary giant amazing person um but yeah she's just she's just wonderful and and I and I and I loved I guess just how free-flowing difficult women felt um and she also had kind of this kind of thread of sisterhood and and twins and twins is something that I'm quite interested in and also was a theme in the story that I tell in um in hag for Virago and I grew up with identical twin I call them twin mums my mum and my auntie so it's something that I'm really interested in that kind of bond between sisters in in that way but yeah I also have how to love a Jamaican on my bedside table somewhere which is another collection of short stories I'm really like I I feel like there's a theme here I'm like "Mm, it's a it's black and Jamaican and (laughs) and I love it and I'm I do actually read things from from people that aren't my people um but yeah a collection a collection of um of short stories I me and my girlfriend were doing this thing where we would try and like take it in turns to like read a story when, when we were going to bed um and I think I might have read about it because I saw Zadie Smith or, or some someone anyway mention this mention this collection um of of short stories and I'm enjoying it I'm not that I'm not that deep into it yet the only thing the, the one thing with me which is quite annoying and I think this is to do with time and because I want to read everything and I'm maybe a slightly scatty person is that I often have what what feels like five million books on the go at the same time (laughs) and then it's too many to choose from and with um with how to love a Jamaican are you do you do you read sort of um uh, chronologically through it or do you dip in and out to different stories how does how does it it work we dip in and out of of different stories and I'm I'm okay with that and it works with that as a book I I don't I don't necessarily tend to do that with all of the short story collections that I read but um yeah that's 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 how we tend to do it for that and sometimes we'll read like a you know a, a a novel all the way all the way through um but it's quite nice to encourage your brain to do a different kind of activity like last thing before you go to bed and and having a story read to you or taking taking it in turns to read a story to another person is quite a nice uh, quite a nice way to do that and more interesting perhaps than some of the sleep stories that you get in the calm app having someone read to you in bed is like I mean I can't think of anything kind of more perfect really in a way and I think short stories are one of those things that they can be so good to read at bedtime it, it sort of sounds silly but that idea that there's the there's the kind of the finite piece of work that you can get into appreciate the whole thing and then not be up all night trying to you know finish the end of a novel or something yeah exactly 
Well, moving into something a little bit different, um, could you tell me about a recent article or a podcast that's made you think? Something that was really interesting to me and like is a thread in um, Rainbow Milk as well, but we did an interview with an amazing, like really kind of experimental musician called Kelsey Lou on the Gowden podcast. And she speaks a lot about um, growing up um, as a Jehovah's Witness and, and the experiences of that. And that's not really something that I've ever heard anyone articulate before in terms of growing up and navigating girlhood and, and what that looks like in the context of a religion that she refers to as, as a cult. Um, and so this is, that's an aside, but just that, that was probably one of the most interesting interviews I've done of late um but then yeah in terms of um in terms of stories I mean I'm obviously biased and I think that all all of our all of the stories that we publish are really amazing and interesting it's a bit unfair to ask you to pick one (laughs) well we had a piece recently actually which was looking at um black um key workers healthcare workers um in the NHS and them being kind of forced to go back to work whilst they're simultaneously experiencing grief and the death of lost ones and of course like a lot of people have lost those who are close to them due to due to covid and then going back into an environment where they're treating people who are kind of um exhibiting or dealing with the same symptoms or illness or um as the people that they've lost and not being able to take any time off because everything is so stretched or you know freelance healthcare workers who are grieving but like literally have to work because if they're not working they're not getting any support um and that was just a heart a heartbreaking a heartbreaking piece to read but I think and a perspective and which is so important which is so important you know these are all human beings and I think so uh, we had a piece as well earlier on in the pandemic which was just around like the language that is being used to describe healthcare workers and like this idea of the front line and it being like these people who are on the front line in battle but these people who whose jobs it is to to look after people they didn't decide they didn't sign up to working in the, in in the way that they've been forced to work because of the pandemic and like Tory austerity and 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 you know a lack of resource and all of these things and I think yeah language is of of course you know this is this is a a podcast about about books but language is language is also so um incredibly important my auntie is a a midwife that works in the NHS and you know there a a colleague of hers passed away and it was also kind of hush hush in the way that it was articulated and I think it's so it maybe it it can become easy for people to come to become kind of like desensitized to the fact that we're talking about human beings and human life because it's become such a part of like the day-to-day like rhetoric I guess in terms of the context of the pandemic of oh the death the death toll is this or the or you know it, it just it's it can maybe be maybe people can view it as just numbers and not actual people um and so I think it's really important to have pieces like that one that we published I think it was last week maybe um where you where you you actually understand the real tangible human impact that that these things are that these things are having well for me when I read that piece what was one of the most um sort of uh, great things about it was the way that it was incredibly personal and that you were hearing real stories and I think that you know like you say we're all reading so much um news content right now and there's there's sort of a 
and often what I find I'm reading are people talking about yeah numbers the numbers of people who are dying the numbers of care workers who've been affected but actually stopping and reading a piece like that that brings it home to an individual family or a variety of individual families makes you understand that the sort of you know you you obviously know this in the abstract, but you start to see the personal cost that it's having on certain people um, and definitely certain people more than others. And that brings home a lot of the horror, I think, in it. And it's, you know, it's an incredibly important thing to be reporting on right now. Those sorts of pieces must be quite, I mean, they must be hard to work on as well, editorially and, you know, the writers. It must take a lot out of them to be writing these pieces. Yeah, it does. And I think, um, I guess one thing that I always say to like young writers or just generally to be honest is that I think you know you have to be really careful and deliberate in who you choose to share your personal stories and testimonies with that you have to choose people who are going to respect that story you know it has to come from you I think oftentimes as writers of colour or whatever you're kind of expected to only write about your trauma or only be commissioned to write about these things and I think it's important you know for us to determine where our boundaries lie and like I say who's going to respect those words treat those words with respect um and and respect you and make a decision based on that but you know even with me there are certain parts of my life and myself that I've shared I've shared some like really intimate and traumatic moments um but it's had to it's had to happen in a time or a space or a moment where I feel like that's something that I need to do for myself or 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 maybe will have a wide impact and benefit and benefit other people. But I'm very, very deliberate in who I choose to share those most intimate moments or experiences with. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I imagine that's something that actually probably not a lot of young or young writers, particularly young writers of colour, probably need to be aware of that that, that there is a kind of push um, from society to sort of expose yourself, write about things that are traumatic in your life, write about and and also I don't know a sort of wider societal I don't know desire for these stories, which is quite invasive and and can be really uncomfortable if they're not dealt with properly and if, it, if the writing is not taken seriously, I suppose. And I, and that's one of the things that I guess at Gaudum that you're really trying to do is to give the appropriate space and the support to these writers as well, and, you know, and help them. We've created this platform. The whole point of creating this platform was so that, um, you know, women and non-binary people of colour could have a space and a platform to talk about anything and everything. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, that, that fundamentally underpins because that's not something that you necessarily see happening across newsrooms and, and in other publications. So, yeah slightly upbeat now compared to uh, the answer to that one I think I'm going to ask you about a tv show that you've loved lately um and I think this is gonna be a interesting discussion what did I say um you wrote down this is us oh that's not upbeat <laughs> <laughs> is it not god do you not find it upbeat I think it's hilarious it is funny in moments but I also spend most of my time watching it crying do you not? <laughs> really? God, I don't know. I feel like This Is Us is a strange one because I really I don't like to use the term guilty pleasure, but I really find that show a guilty pleasure in that I sort of hate myself for being for watching it, but then I can't stop watching it. And it sort of, you know, it it really piles on the emotion and the melodrama and the I think maybe that's the point. I know it's 
it always brings up a lot for me. So I think maybe that's why, like, especially with like the, because my stepdad passed away a couple of years ago. And so I feel like whenever it comes to the storylines around the dad and loss, oh my God, like I'm just weeping. Me and my girlfriend are there just like steadily crying. But then there are so many moments that are just joyous and funny. And there are so many dynamics that I love. I love like um Toby's relationship and, there, there are so many elements that are brilliant and um and and how awkward how awkward and like cringy like Randall can be like I love all of those elements of it like that is perfect fantastic but there are also so many moments that just send me off and I'm like you know what I gotta pause but I was also binging like um I may destroy you as well obviously like Michaela Cole's new show and again with that I had to take it I had to take it in um it was brilliant it was really powerful um like the ending was 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 a you know, slightly confusing but in terms of the for the majority of the show really powerful but I had to do that in breaks because as someone who has experienced you know like sexual trauma it it just was it was heavy as well but um but yeah anyway on this is us I bloody love that show I think it's amazing I think it's great I think it is great our shelves will be back in just a moment Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Our Shelves. I'm Lucy Scholes and I'm talking to Liv Little. We've asked you to pick a photograph that you treasure. What's your pick, Liv? I picked a photo of me and my dad. Yeah, I like love my dad and I feel like I don't actually talk about how amazing he is. And I, I, like, I always talk about my mum because my mum is like the OG. She's like the best person in the world. But like I do have a dad that is also lovely too. Um, and I've got like, there's just a photo of me he's holding me and I just look really grumpy and he always jokes that I was probably hungry and I'm 
I'm still like that today. I, I think I eat like a child and also I I get um get quite hangry. But yeah, he's he just looks very different. He was it's just in, it's funny, isn't it? I look back on photos of of my dad and like my mum and they were just such like cool, trendy people living their lives. <laughs> um and I and I and I I wish I could have like met them at that stage in their lives in their twenties and thirties. And I feel like it would have been a time. Um like I, there's photos of them like smoking fags and like drinking beer and like my mum would never do that now. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's just a sweet man. Like, so I'm like half Guyanese, half Jamaican. My dad is the Jamaican side, and he lived in Jamaica until he was maybe like thirty. Had mm. like a quite um, difficult um, start to life. Kind of classic tales around um, you know families like or parents leaving their children over. Jamaica while they come to like London or the UK for a a kind of better life and he came he came much later than the rest of his kind of family and siblings and things and that caused him a lot of trauma and I just think for someone who because he I think he was left in in um Jamaica when he was like eight or he was really young and like he he left he left school when he was like 11 and stuff and I just think he just went through so much trauma and just so many things and like and like he didn't have that that like 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 I don't know those parental role models. He didn't have like a like a father as like a like a like a, a role model or anything like that. And yet he still is like the most sweet and gentle and like kind human being. And I just think if you didn't have that, it's like amazing to be able to give that to your child or your children. And so I just he's just a sweet guy, basically. Going back to something you said at the beginning of um, this discussion, I think it's interesting that as women and women who write like mothers comes up so often and these were I mean obviously you know I'm not like but it is it sort of suddenly made me think what you said made me think that there's not a lot of writing about fathers and daughters in the same way that there's a sort of huge amount of writing about um you know relationships with one's mother or one's or one's own children um and that's sort of that's very sad in a way, really, because like you say, these are important relationships and it's just maybe not as easy to maybe they're not as easy to talk about or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's complicated. And like I, I like I lived with my mum as like my primary kind of caregiver right. and stuff. And, you know, um, growing up, but he was like my dad was always there and he, he always loved me and was always showed me care. And like I'm his girl and he's protective and things that he probably doesn't need to be. But but like. But yeah, he is he is still a sweet man. So yeah, I just I don't know, I was looking through some some images on my phone and some photos that he'd sent me and I thought, oh, this is like this is one that makes me feel um full of full of joy and like yeah, he's he's a he's just a he's just a lovely human being. He sounds wonderful. <laughs> well, moving back to uh books, what's the uh, what's the novel that you would always recommend to friends? I think it's Here Comes the Sun by Nicole Dennis Ben, like as in legendary like author. I am obsessed with her. Um she again, I just feel like I'm just showing my Caribbeanness. But um she's like a a, a a Jamaican author. She's also a black woman and she's also a lesbian. Wow. Um but like but like I mean that's not all she is. She's like a bloody fantastic writer. But I say that because the book when I read Here Comes the Sun, it was the first time, really, and 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 bearing in mind it's not like I've grown up in Jamaica and whatever, whatever. Like I'm, it's very much born here. But the first time that I'd read a book and was like, 
wow, I can see elements of my story or self or just, you know, parts of parts of my culture reflected in this way. And she basically like the book is so beautifully written and the dialogue is just perfect. And she basically tells the story of these like three generations of um, Jamaican women um, and one, you know, really young going through you know just navigating that that first part of your life not quite adult life and looking at colorism and skin bleaching which is obviously a thing that's super prevalent and then also another one of them who's in this kind of like queer relationship and they're seen as these kind of strange women but also you have to be like super um like discreet and and people can't know and 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 all of these things because you know granted you know the legislation doesn't necessarily officially impact women but like societally it's still a huge thing um and so and I and I think about I'm very fortunate that I that I live here and that like yeah my dad is very Jamaican and like yeah he's a bit awkward about it but he's not like I'm gonna disown you I whatever whatever he's awkward in the way that I feel like he was when I had a when I had a boyfriend and like I'm still his little girl in his eyes even though I'm an adult woman that's independent but like but I just think it was just I don't know poetic almost I I just honestly I don't even know how I I think it maybe was Charlie I had a editorial that like recommended the book to me but I and both of us were instantly like obsessed with her writing and she's got another book um which came out I think maybe last year called Patsy but essentially yeah I mean I've just I've not really read um or heard a voice like hers and I and it, and it's really special to me on a very like personal level I guess it, it like as well as it just being like kind of fantastic writing with amazing dialogue and description and all of those things it's yeah it touched me personally you say that this was the first novel that really did that for you I actually do think so I actually do think so of course I've read other pieces of work that have touched me and like resonated with certain parts of myself there especially even in the last year there have been so many amazing or last two years books that have come out you know there's I, I love like Queenie by by Candice and you know that touched on so many important topics and things that yeah felt felt very prevalent or like I could could relate to but I think I think I don't know there's something about her as an author that I don't know really resonates with me in in a in a new way um, and can you tell me about a book or books that have made you think about feminism in a new way? The thing is, at uni, basically, I I did, and this is, feels like forever ago now, and I'm really rubbish with the names of all of the texts and books and stuff, but I just remember being at, um, being at university and really feeling like, oh my God, this curriculum is whack, and I'm not seeing myself reflective, and I need, not all of it, but like a large portion of it, and like I need to find texts um you know outside of this yeah you know you have your wider reading list but in terms of core text no and so oh sorry I did politics and sociology and like my main focus was on like women and asylum that was like one of my biggest areas of focus but I also did things around like sex work and um like representation in parliament and 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 different bits and bobs but fundamentally um I was you know as a you know I you can kind of tailor your degree to be what you want it to be so mine you know became naturally quite feminism focused um and yeah I just was really disappointed from the beginning with the lack of inclusion of text and voices and I think I didn't even necessarily realize that there was an issue like immediately to begin with it was when like from just looking at the list it was more when I started to read the text and I was like 
oh, like, yeah, but this is kind of not really talking about me, for example. And it's not not just me, but, you know, marginalised voices in general, um, like across the board, be that across like disability or class and all of these things. I was like, mm, this is so kind of speaking to a very specific um, view of feminism. And so then it was a case of me going out and like buying like, um, I think it's like black, con- contemporary black feminist thought by Patricia Hill Collins and like, you know, the works of bell hooks and and like uh, books which have been written by like sex workers and 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 all sorts of things and i think those were the moments that like you know really opened my eyes to not necessarily open my eyes because i knew because i was like i don't see myself reflected but really gave me um no they not that they it validates you but sort of um you know it's it's important to it's important to have a variety of story and experience and and I think that was the first time, I guess, in, in, in the context of like studying feminism or studying like politics and sociology where I was like, damn, okay, cool. There are lots of voices that I can look to. And I think it's such like a classic experience that has been explored so much. You know, like I went to uni and I was the only person that looked like me and I couldn't find stuff that ref- ref- reflected me. It's not like particularly, it's not a particularly unique set of circumstances at all. But But yeah, that was... I think those were the, those were the moments for me that were really um, that were really transformative. Right, you're sort of perfectly poised to be in, sort of taking in so much life experience from other people and hearing their stories, right? Yeah, which exactly, which is yeah. which is um, which is amazing, and of course that like naturally um, does kind of shape um, you know the way that you the way that you look at the world um, and the way that you understand that. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. That has, that continues to shape me. I think it's, it's an, it's a kind of continuous process of being, of being shaped. And finally, uh, can I ask you to tell me about a woman whom you admire? I think I put Melina Matsukas because I, I basically like I I I like I'm a film and, and telly girl and like I just think visually creatively everything she's like absolutely incredible I think her oh, I, I remember watching Queen and Slim and 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 I think for me the, the the parts of that film that touched me more so than the dialogue or the acting necessarily was the music, which I thought was um, perfectly poised, but it was also just the visual. It was the shots, like every single frame in something that she has directed or or constructed or shot is perfect and tells a story within itself. I'm talking like to the minutest of details um, and they're beautiful and, and emotive and just breathtaking. And, and I, yeah, I remember just leaving that film. I think you know, it's, every, everyone had different things to take to take from that film, and there were critiques and things that people loved. But my God, her ability to tell a story just purely through image is like I don't know, it's remarkable. Yeah, she's a very talented woman, um, particularly because she works across such a variety of different genres as well, and seems to bring the same sort of attention to detail to all of them, as far as I've been aware, at least. Um, that sort of visual element are you is that something that you do you have any interest in working in that sort of area like do you think you'd ever move into visual arts as much as possibly writing and or is it something that you just admire from afar Mm, no I think maybe I think everything's open at this point like got my whole life ahead of me so absolutely I, I I um 
I um, always loved kind of being on set when I was working in TV and, mm. and, and, and learning from, I guess, like some of the directors in terms of like how you construct um, shots and, 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 and tell a story that way. Also, like, I think editors do like an amazing job. I'm not, I don't think I necessarily would want to be an editor, but they are really, you know, the ones that, that, that determine what the story looks like. Yes. Um, they then sort of find the narrative, right? Yeah, exactly. And then I've like directed like a few smaller projects and things and 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 video content which I've absolutely loved. I, I, I creatively I think it's interesting, challenging and and you can do so much. I also just published on my Instagram. They're like I'd made a, a short film a while ago like four years three years ago which was kind of documenting this last trip that we had with my stepdad Mm. um where all of the family kind of drove up to France because he couldn't like get on a plane and my mum was like I'm determined for him to have this like a a beautiful trip and time with all of um you and 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 like I, I filmed that and it was painful but I think so important to capture those moments and so yeah I mean the visual elements of storytelling and 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 art is something that I do definitely have an interest and a stake in and I don't know what forms that will take but yeah basically the answer is yes (laughs) (laughs) well I mean given what you've already achieved um in such a short period of time I wouldn't be surprised if you're kind of taking over the world in a in in a in in the future so I think we should all watch out for that thank you so much Liv it's been a real pleasure talking to you thanks for coming on to our shells thank you for having me Thank you for listening. Our Shelves is brought to you by the team at Virago Press. Special thanks to today's guest, Liv Little. Tune in next time for more conversation about books, feminism and culture. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.